and welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast. Um, Leicester 3, Liverpool 1. Things go from bad to worse. Adrian has somehow managed to find an Alison mask, which is really convincing. And realistically, we're looking now at where is rock bottom for the Reds. So uh, to try and discuss and identify what the what the problem is here, um, I have Andy Bell in Liverpool. Andy, have we psychologically recovered from Saturday afternoon yet? Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't have fancied uh, doing this podcast at three o'clock yesterday, uh, or even maybe even last night. But yeah, I've, I've I've got up today and I'm feeling a bit better about it all. I'm I'm still looking at the Champions League and praying that some miracle can happen there. Um, but I mean, we'll get into it. But yeah, it's um, I'm mainly just just cold and uh, disappointed weekly at the minute. Yeah, there's not a lot of fun to be had uh, if you're a Liverpool fan, that's for sure. Uh, Chief, um, how is your mental state of mind at the moment? Yeah, I mean, ah, it's all right. Like, I mean, it wasn't great yesterday. I was, you know, none of us were, were happy. No Liverpool fans were, but uh, today is a new day and uh, United drop points and Everton drop points, so... You know, other teams are also finding it difficult at the moment. But yeah, the big question for us is where is rock bottom and, and when does this run end? So I don't know if we're going to have the answers, but we'll, we'll give it a go. <laughs> nah, Chief, I doubt we will have the answers, but we'll, we'll pretend that we do. So I suppose we may just, we'll look at the game, um, in bits and pieces. It's a good start. I think we're, I think. If we can remember back that far, we look really up for it. I think my concern recently has been first first twenty, and we generally do look good the first twenty games, and then if we don't get the goal, which which we haven't been, we start to fade fade away and, and lose a bit of impotence, lose a bit of, of self confidence and self belief almost. Um, but actually, we maintain that pretty much the majority of the way through the first half. They have a few chances probably three really, really good chances. And again, they're, they're kind of individual errors, um, which you can understand from that back four. But we stay composed. And the second half, we come out and we score an absolutely wonderful goal, which I think, you know, it's, it's a shame that that goal is going to get lost in this conversation um, and probably the majority of conversations around Liverpool at the moment. And actually, at that point, we look good. We look secure. We look comfortable with... We've hammered this team to nil a number of times um, over the last few years. Um, and then the Benny Hill show starts. You're absolutely right, really. We'd, we'd sort of, we looked really good. You know, for three quarters of that game, we're, we, we've done, it's a consummate away performance, really. I mean, we've, we've dominated, we've, went, we've gone there. If there had been a crowd, we would have quietened the crowd. We dominated the ball. The possession stats are very much in our favour. Although we didn't carve out too many clear-cut opportunities the first half, it wasn't the, you wouldn't have said it's sterile domination at the same time. We certainly caused them problems. Um, of course, they had a couple of chances, and you'd expect that with Vardy up front and the way they were trying to play as well, trying to trying to get in behind, hit us on the break. But I would say their first chance was... What minute thirty seven or something? Minute thirty eight. So it's getting on, and, and they pack in a couple of chances before half time. But again, we come out second half and, and look to dominate the ball and, and turn the screw a little bit, and, and we get our goal. And I think what we score in sixty minutes or sixty in 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 that mark, sixty to sixty five, something around that. And it's sixty seven. Yeah, there you go, sixty sixty seven. So a quarter of the game to go. And I think uh, Armit Chengis put in the in the chat what's our record like when we score first, and I think a couple of us rightly chirped in, "Well, we we don't really lose." So none of us expected things to to turn the way they did. Um, and unfortunately, you know, I think I personally, perhaps somewhat simplistically, maybe not. I don't know if others would agree, but I would say that the big thing that that the big catalyst for that change was was the change in dy- dynamic and balance in midfield. And I think, 
unfortunately, the manager's to blame for that. Um, I think not for the first time. He's made the wrong move in substituting Curtis Jones. And um, unfortunately, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain was, well, was Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain not really there, not really a presence in the midfield, and the balance was completely lost. We we lost control of the ball there, and um, Leicester overran us. Um, and personally, I think I think it's almost a pretty direct consequence of of that substitution. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what others think, but you know that is that is a, a collapse that we've seen perhaps once, yeah, once in in recent memory, and that was in the Atletico Madrid home game in the in the Champions League, and obviously after the Adrian mistake, and um, you know perhaps. That's a little bit of, of, of the warning sign. That was the precursor. That was pre-lockdown. That was the precursor to what we've seen kind of creep in post that. Is the self-doubt the, and uh, the lack of that, of the, the erosion of, of that mentality somehow. Um, but, but yeah, uh, I didn't expect that to happen. I don't think anyone, any pundit watching the game expected that to happen. Certainly don't think. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't expect it hopefully to happen again. But now we're losing every kind of game. You know, we're we're going ahead now in games and and, and losing them, and that's that's a bad sign. So yeah, it's worrying. It's a worrying one. Yeah, Andy, it's Chase right and what he says there. It's Leicester don't win that game. We somehow conspire to lose it um, through a variety of different methods. You know, the 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 penalty that isn't the penalty and. It's all on the line. And when I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, it's, it's Liverpool. It's going to be a penalty. Of course they're going to give it as a penalty. But You're thinking Fabinho against Sheffield United, aren't you? Yeah, I'm thinking Fabinho against Sheffield United, but I'm also thinking that that's just the way things have been going for us. And that's probably what the players have been thinking as well. And the fact that it's given us a free kick outside the box, I thought... Something small like that could be the, oh, something's gone our way. Happy days, right? Let's just gather ourselves and regroup. And then we conspire to concede in the free kick. And we can talk about the offside. That's fine. But it's, 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 it's shocking. There's no way the ball at that height should make it all the way through to the goalkeeper, regardless, you know? And then the offside happens, and then it's offside, and then it doesn't go our way, and and then collectively there is a collective, and I think probably the only word to describe it is is capitulation, and that seems to be that seems to be the issue with this team at the moment. It is there's there's something, and I, I, I loathe to use this term, but there's something rotten at the core of that squad at the minute. Yeah, I think mentality, both of you guys have mentioned it there, uh, and that's the, the big word of this podcast, really. Um, I remember watching the Aston Villa game uh, when they went 5-1 up and Salah scored to make it 5-2. And I genuinely believe we were going to draw that game 5-all because that's what Liverpool have done in the last two or three years. Where you know We're used to seeing the Barcelonas, the Dortmunds, whatever it is, these mad comebacks, and we just had that momentum. Whereas now, even when we're 1-0 up, I'm I'm worried that the inevitable is going to happen, and I was thinking I know we'll come on to talk about Leipzig, but I'm thinking, is there a score in Budapest on Tuesday night that would make me think we're definitely through before the Anfield leg? Because th- if we went three nil, I I still think we could conspire to do something uh, four weeks later, and that's the uh, and if that's what I'm thinking as a supporter, supposedly optimistic and always seeing the bright side. Then what must those players be thinking? And it's 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 shining through, really. Unfortunately, at the minute, we need to get out of this mentality that we have to win every game. That was when we were fighting for Man City with a title and needed to get a hundred points every season to win the league. We need to get out of that mentality and into the mentality that a point at Leicester's all right. And hopefully, and you know, that has to be a temporary mentality because yes, next season we'll have players back and we've maybe invested a little bit. We want to get back to that winning every game that the Liverpool we've seen in the last two years. But for now, you know, top four, you need to go at about 1.8, 1.9 points a game. I'll draw at Leicester's okay, especially because it means they don't go six points clear. Uh, and that was the most frustrating things. So we're so open after that and we're just programmed to, to keep going forward and trying to win it. And it's almost unexcusable because there's no fans even there 
in the ground urging us on or getting frustrated with us. So it's as robotic an environment to implicate a strategy as you can possibly imagine. Uh, and that was, that's the most, that's the most frustrating thing about it. The offside, I mean, I broadly think the offsides are, are accurate. Um, there's like a line of gravity that gets drawn down and perspective can really skew that. So I've no real problem with it. I think if you're going to do VAR, you have to do it properly. Um, I'd rather just didn't do VAR at all. I would have said that a million times in this podcast. But the one that really annoys me is the second goal because if you think back a couple of weeks ago to that Spurs game where Firmino, okay, he does handle it in the middle of the park and then there's six or seven passes before Salah puts it in and it's a judged not it's it's judged recent enough to pull it back and give the foul. Whereas Johnny Evans pushes over Sadio Mane. I don't think anyone in the country denies that that's a foul. And the next ball, Telemann plays it and it ends in a goal. So that's three passes compared to the seven or eight that we saw our own goal ruled out for. And it wasn't even checked, which is the most annoying thing. And I know, I've, I know you know, for example, me and Chief don't necessarily always agree on uh, on the motives behind the refereeing, but I just could not believe that there wasn't much more made of that. Uh, and I wonder if that, that the Derby, when we released the strong statement after it and asked them to explain themselves, I wonder whether that is kind of was, was too hasty because something like that today would have far more of an effect. Um, but that really wound me up. And uh, yeah, we didn't help ourselves and you know, Quebec's at the scene of the crime. But for me, you know, that's, that's Allison who's at fault for the first and second goals there, really. Um, and I'm sure he'll bounce back because he always has. And he's had these periods before. But uh, that was the most frustrating thing for me, I think. Yeah, Chief. Um, it, 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 we, we, do, we lose the game in, in, inside of 10 minutes. Um, and we really do fall apart. I, saw, I might be wrong. And I'm interested in your opinion on, on the debutant's performance. But to me, I think he gets caught in the first half with a ball. Um, around the corner and he steps out when he's shooting and he's absolutely I bet if anybody wants to rugby today a bit like the fullback with three surnames um, for, for France's first try today steps out when he's shooting and there's a huge gap in behind him to be exposed um, in the first half but it seemed to me like there were there were players in the pitch trying to do their do his job for him and Jordan Henderson being one saw him sweep up over the right hand side a number of times Trent was a bit more defensively switched on than maybe he had been in the past. I thought Trent actually was one of the players that comes out of the game with a bit of credit in the bank. Um, but Allison again, he's, he's no. There's absolutely no need for him to come to deal with that. It's right on to his head. There's, 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 he's in control of the situation, and is there a lack of trust there initially? It's. Or, are there players taking too much responsibility, maybe, in, in certain circumstances at the minute? Everybody's overthinking. And that includes Henderson. I don't think it's a good thing Henderson's doing all that sweeping up. You know. And I don't think it's a good thing Henderson's trying to play Quebec's game for him. And I don't think it's a good thing he's getting... But he, he's being forced to because, A, it's the nature of the kind of person that he is. B, he's the captain. And C, he's having to play this role. So he's... He's on heightened nerves and anxiety anyway because he's playing somewhere that he's he's never really played in his career, and you know on top of that it's all it's all going to shit around him. But we're never going to. We talk about the mentality, Quebec. Mm. I mean Quebec. I think that he did all right. You know, I th- I agree with you. It's Allison's fault. I don't know what Allison's doing because he's he's almost coming out with his hands as well, isn't he? And it's outside the box. Like he's jumping. As is, is he's going to jump and head it? What what's he going to do? Because it is outside the box, isn't it? Where the collision happens. Yeah, it's madness. It's it's. I, so, I, so I don't know what he's thinking. Um, and and you can't blame Quebec because he's backpedaling. It's on his head. He's going to get it. And boom, it's a collision. Allison comes from nowhere, makes Quebec look a fool, and you know it, it's a headline for you know it's an easy headline for the press. Um, but the, I think the real the real issue I suppose here is is why why are we why are we in this position? Why is Quebec? Why is it his first game? Why is it only his second week at the club? Why do we have him at all? Why have the owners? not backed 
the manager and sorted this this problem out. Um, you know, we are every you know everything's everything's kind of going going wrong at Liverpool at the moment, and I think probably Quebec will hopefully hopefully turn into a decent player for us. If he doesn't, we can send him back at the end of the season. It's 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 not a big deal in the long term, but he's not going to suddenly be instantly a great player at centre back. Having come in from Schalke, playing up against Jamie Vardy, playing beside a, 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 a another centre back who's playing his fourth game there, you know, in front of a goalkeeper who's just dropped absolute clangers in the most important game of the season. The whole, you know, there's nothing. Nothing is working at the moment. The odd time you get a flash of of, of a spark of a, of something that works, and you know, we 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 managed it for for as I said in my first contribution about three quarters of the match yesterday to put on a good show of being of almost being the team that we were but as soon as as soon as we were cracked open and again it's another ridiculous way for us to be cracked open if you take football in the grand scheme of things and, and you forget that and you realize that VAR has only been around for a year because in real life pre-VAR that's just a free kick outside the box. They claim for, for they say, oh, ref, it's a penalty. The ref says, no, it fucking wasn't. I saw it. It's outside the box. Get back. You know, you have a free kick. He gets the Well, the ref gives the penalty, Chief, doesn't he? I don't think he does, like. I think he does. The ref gives the pen. I think he does, but the, the commentators made it out as if he didn't, but he definitely kind of pointed to the spot. I he points but to the spot. I'm sure he does. The commentator does. said. because he does the VAR sign when he's overturning it, so he must have. Well, maybe he did. Maybe he, he just gives the pen. But for me, it's never in the box. And this whole on the line thing, yeah, maybe the rule says that. But in reality, for the for the previous hundred years of football, on the line was outside because nobody ever fucking knew. You know what I mean? Nobody checked. There was no replay. And you had to be clearly in the box. And since we need to get players shot to get penalties, like he waves away the Salah one. In the first half, to yeah, it's hard as well. One is a blatant pen. Like your man, just Pereira is late, and he takes him, and he trips him. And you see it, you see it given for every other team, and we don't get it. Of course, Mo Mo never gets anything. But since you know the threshold is ridiculous, but you're trying to give a penalty for for that at the very edge of the box, and now you're saying the lines involved as well. I don't know. Uh, obviously, we listen to the Anfield rap as well, and I remember some time ago, Neil Atkinson making a point, or we should make the penalty box, make the the penalty area more of a hockey shaped D, because given penalties for things that happen at the periphery of the box is is ridiculous, given the the level of punishment that you get for it potentially. But be to be trying to get penalties right on the edge, so there's that whole farce, and then of course there's the offside, which. I think it's offside that it is what it is, but they contrive to spend five minutes of it on it and, and make sure that it isn't. And then, and then we collapse, you know, but the mental, the mentality is, is eroded. And, you know, while Quebec did, did, didn't, didn't cover himself in loads of glory yesterday. It's really harsh to judge him coming into that team. In these circumstances, given that he's only been at us for a fortnight. Yeah, it's it's a hard one. Um, Andy, I want I want to talk a little bit about Thiago. Um, I and I, I I don't want to dig any anybody out here, um, but I think there's a bit of hyperbole around. And again, we're, we're going from one extreme to the other. He's been brilliant. He's been shit, and I, I don't want to get into that sort of debate. But I find myself I. I have found myself being frustrated at the number of free kicks he gives away, um, diving in on the floor, um, which which takes himself out of the game. And uh, yeah, he's thrown in on he's thrown in on Saturday there after the Milner injury, and you know I think again I talked about the first twenty, so the first twenty we looked brilliant, and Milner had a lot to do with that. And Thiago and Milner, as footballers, are, are poles apart. Let's be honest. Um, but he gets caught in possession a few times 
Um, he gives the ball away in silly areas. He allows them to counter. We know that that is the big threat that that Leicester have. And, you know, he, he gives the ball away and then he gives away the, the free kicks. People talk about, oh, he, he gave, away the, gave away the free kick. But he gives the ball away first. And then he's impetuous and gives away the gives away the penalty slash free kick. And all in all, that substitution on the face of it on paper, you would think, well, Thiago on for another happy days. But I think he really struggled to get the grips of the game when he came on. Uh, I I was actually thinking before he gave away the free kick, I thought it was one of his better performances, and maybe that's indicative of how he's kind of played over the last couple of weeks in the. Like, for example, the Burnley and the Brighton games where I think he was dreadful. Um, maybe that's a thing. But I thought he was doing okay. Um, I'm starting to worry just because, like, of what he offers, obviously, is so much more control. His quality in the ball is nearly all the passes, despite what kind of happened a couple of times on Saturday, as you mentioned. The, the pass percentage completion pass uh, completion percentage is, is usually right up there. Um, you know, he'll always find his man. He'll always put his foot on it and give you a bit more control. But... Did we really? I'm starting to think back, and I'm thinking, did we really need that? You know, we controlled so many games last season. Teams let us have the ball, and you know, Thiago was not going to be the man to. I think we've said this a million times. He's not going to be the man to pick the pass. He's not going to. He might help you a little bit in breaking down the low blocks, but it's in the sense that he'll play that pass out wide, which gives somebody else a little bit more space. And you know, the way we're playing, it's not really having an impact at the moment. So it's worrying. I think he's used to playing in, in Barcelona's and Bayern Munich's where, you know, you can dive in and if you didn't do a lot of diving in on Saturday, but you can, you know, you can take a risk and try and win the ball back because you know that when you've got Kimmich or whoever it is behind you or beside you, Alaba, you know, you're going to make the, win the ball back in a couple of seconds anyway. So you can take that risk. Whereas in the Premier League where the transitions are so quick and where teams counter-attack so quickly and can hurt you if you lose the ball in the wrong areas. Um, he's, he's really getting punished for that. Uh, I thought it was a bit of good play from Barnes, I think it is, who wins a free kick. I mean, there's the two of them there, and it's kind of like you've doubled up on him. Could we be a bit quicker out to him, or could we deal with a problem at source to more of an extent? Possibly, but you know, once you're there, I feel like you can't really just get out of the way. You have to make a tackle and the tackle's off and, and Barnes gets past him and, and Barnes is a good player and he had a good game but yeah overall I'm not I'm not really sure and I'm I'm, I'm hesitant to judge him before I think I can't remember if you said the podcast or the pre-pod but before having Fabinho or Henderson or both in midfield with him because when we saw him in midfield with those two in the away derby he was phenomenal it was a phenomenal midfield display as a collective and also as an individual from Thiago um, but I sort of think I'm just keeping making excuses for him at some point uh, we need to see a good performance. He's, he's His return to the side has coincided with the dip in form. I don't think he's the reason for it, but I certainly don't think he's doing anything to, um, you know, doing anything to, to, to cull the wave or whatever the phrase is. It's It has been quite disappointing. And as people listen to this podcast know, I've been his biggest fan. Yeah. It's, for me, to yeah, someone, I mean, well, you know, it's, we could do a bit in Thiago, but I'm more interested in the thought, in your thoughts on Jones because again, I think Jones has another good game. Um, he gets hooked at what seventy or something, um, and as against just, City, just before the goal again, like pretty yeah. much just before the goal, like five minutes before the goal, and, and as against City, um, we we. Just seem to lose any sort of control, um, and we we absolutely fall apart. And people will point to the daft individual errors, Allison, 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 um, the free kick, the offside, the man a foul, whatever. But you know, is it coincidental, or do you think that it had more of an impact than maybe people are seeing at first glance? I 100% think it had a massive impact. I think it had a massive impact against City as well. You can see in both games, after he went off, that um, both teams overran us. They overran us. They broke through our midfield. They had runners. They got the ball in behind. They put pressure on, on our defences that they just weren't doing while he was on the pitch. And the balance of the midfield, I think, I know Thiago, like, I'm just going to sort of um, 
bring it all in here together a little bit. I mean, Thiago comes on, um, not expecting to play. Obviously, he's on the bench. He's given a rest because otherwise he would have he would have started. Uh, he kind of has to come on after two minutes, <clears throat> and he's he's has to come on and replace Milner. So that's you know he's expected to to do a lot of running, and he's playing a game really that's not his. He's you know, as 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 was alluded to, there playing in the midfield with the likes of Fabinho and Henderson is is why you bought Thiago. Um, certainly with one of them uh, being having to be both of them, basically, which is what what he is having to be at the moment is 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 a thankless task. Um, and I think that the balance actually worked really well in in midfield with um, with the uh, with Genie Thiago and um, and Curtis there. Um, I think it was working, you know, pretty well against City, and it worked it worked well against Leicester. We dominated, as I said earlier, they created a couple of chances on the break, but you'd expect that with Leicester, and they stood out because they were the exception to a half and a 60, 65 minutes, which was dominated by one side. And as, as soon as he went off, we lost all control there. And you and when you're bringing on an Oxlade-Chamberlain, you know, it's it's much more about the player that went off rather than the player that came on. But the player who came on is a totally different kind of player. He doesn't put his foot on the ball. He doesn't keep the ball. He doesn't control things. He won't turn back and, and knock the ball back if he if he needs to. Curtis Jones is a very, very mature player. There's no way you watch him play and think he's 19 or whatever age he is. I think it is 19. He he plays a game like like he's fully grown. And I think that's the biggest compliment you can you can pay to him. He he's he looks absolutely at home in the midfield and I think it was a it upset the balance massively, taking him off. And I don't think Klopp needed to do it. You're not telling me, no sports scientist is telling me he's in the red zone because he's, he's been rested for games this season. And as I said, he's 19. Um, I don't think we need to make any changes like that at 1-0, to be honest. Certainly not the way we've been playing. And I think it was a big, big mistake because... No offence to Chamberlain, but he's he's been a ghost since his injury, and he played like it again. You know, I think I said in the in the chat that Curtis Jones went off and uh, some some air came on to replace him, and it was a little bit like that. And I'm not pointing the finger and saying it was his fault. He was absolutely terrible. That no, but him coming on <laughs> completely fucked up the dynamic, and Jones going off completely fucked up the dynamic. Um. And I think we have to accept that now. It's not Curtis Jones isn't 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 one of the kids that we're all you know. He's he's very important in there. He keeps the ball really really well. Um, he's got great drive. He's got great vision. He he's he he's got the ability to pick the pass as well. Um, and and keep things ticking over. And I think it's it's no coincidence that he's. Gone off in the last two games, we've been well in them, and and certainly uh, we're one one against City, and we're one nil up against against Leicester, and within minutes we're we're behind, and we go on to lose the game, the games, with with in the manner that we do as well, you know, there's there is no control left. Um. So yeah, I think I think it, it had a massive impact, and I think Jurgen Klopp has to look at himself because I think he's made the exact same mistake now twice in a row. Um, I think he'd be for a manager who was learning almost instantly and never making the same mistake twice. It's I know he's there's a lot of things going on, but that that's a that's a bit of a one to look at, to be honest. Yeah, Andy, the manager's a talking point here. There's been some strange rumours flying around about Klopp quits or taking time away and. You know, we all know the really incredibly difficult circumstances that he's had to deal with um, personally at the moment. And I can't help but wonder, does Klopp potentially feel a little bit isolated at the moment, given he's away from his family uh, in Germany, where that's the one place that he he wants to be right now? Um, The players aren't doing what he wants them to do on the pitch. And you know, I think it would be difficult to argue against the fact that he probably feels like he's been let down by his board. And 
if you throw that around this slump um, in performance at the moment, you can probably understand why he broke down um, in front of the cameras at the weekend. But, you know, do you feel like he maybe feels a little bit outside of outside of the circle at the moment? Um, the thing, the thing is, and I think this has a a profound impact. And we've talked about this in the context of having an effect on actual football games, but I think it'll have a massive effect on Jurgen at the minute. And it's the fact that his life right now, obviously, you reference the the tragic events that happened in the last uh, three to four weeks. But his life right now is he's, he's having to do that. He hasn't been able to go back to Germany. Uh, has, has been well publicized for his mother's funeral. He's going back into his four walls of the same house every day. And he's not having much interaction with the players because they're all in their separate bubbles. And his only other interaction with the outside world is these absolute muppets proposing as journalists who ask him the same stupid questions every week to get the same stupid reactions out of Jurgen every week. And I think it's a massive thing uh, that even though deep down he will know every Liverpool supporter or every sane Liverpool supporter is right behind him and loves him and thinks he's the best thing that's ever happened to this club in our lifetimes. The fact that he doesn't have 54,000 people cheering his name and even just seeing that and, and, and really bringing it home that that he still has this incredible amount of support from the whole city, you're not getting that every week. You know, He's not checking social media. He's not looking down the replies to Liverpool's tweets. He's not seeing all these tributes that we're all putting out on our Facebooks and Instagrams and and Twitter's, he's not seeing any of this. So his life right now is just a perpetual cycle of of of. Well, I'm sure the rest of it of oh, shit. Yeah, well, well, I, I don't want to, you know, I'm I'm careful because I don't want to like um bunch the fact that what happened to his mother in with a silly journalist asking a question and the same kind of thing. So you know, obviously they're completely they're completely different issues, but it that's what his 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 life is right now. And as I say, it was the same with Nico Williams when uh he was getting a load of abuse. All he's seeing is people on social media, all he's seeing is these dreadful things. He's nobody he's not going down the street and somebody's, you know, telling him to keep his head up or he's not coming on the downfield to a rise innovation after what's happened. This is all they're seeing and I think this you know, this is this is gonna affect people, this is gonna affect how people act and the decisions they make. Inevitably it's human nature. Um and I mean I know we've we've heard some of the rumors in the last week or even in the last day about him walking or taking some time away, but it would just be I don't I don't even know if I should give it any credence because I think it's complete nonsense. But what a shame it would be that we don't have that moment together, even if we don't get the the trophy period or we don't get the you know the the final day of celebrations together, just to get back in the ground to to give him a round of applause and to sing his name. I think that would that would mean so much to him right now and. But, you know, how far we are away from that or how close we are to that is, is anyone's guess, really. But I just hope, you know, um, there's there's a, a tournament this summer, isn't there? So there should be a little bit more time um, for him to to get back and uh, and hopefully get back to Germany and see some family. Or even if it was announced that he was taking some time away, even a couple of weeks and Pep Linders was taking the team for a bit, you know, even while there's an FA Cup week on or something, I don't think any of us would... Uh, well, definitely none of us would be averse to that and maybe that could be the best thing for him but it's i just feel i just really do feel sorry for him right now you just know that the media were buzzing to have got him uh emotionally broken as people have saying uh, in that press conference and and the way people are acting i know it is twitter but people saying you know oh, i know his mom's died but he he still should be acting courteous which is just such nonsense these are people who go home and, and beat the wife when they've had a bad day at work never mind had a, a parent die you know it's heartless uncompassionate nonsense which really winds me up um and I, you know i just want to give him a hug yeah i think Klopp could probably do with one of his own hugs right now um chief i think the manager is off the manager's you know usually and obviously at the center of most situations but you know how much do you feel that his state of mind at the moment is is playing in and influencing the players um and it's not just on the pitch i'm talking about training i'm talking about day-to-day 
day-to-day interactions, you know, around Kirkby. Um, is, the, is there a chance that because of what he's going through and of how influential he is in that environment, that the atmosphere is different and that's seeped into the players and it's now seeped onto the pitch? There's a chance. Um, I mean, I'd say it's probably natural that obviously the you know the energy isn't isn't quite the same because he's not going to be feeling the same way and you know given that I think we'd all agree Liverpool is has been more than some of its parts in over the last three four seasons um, you know there's there are intangibles that play a part in 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 creating that situation. And one of those intangibles is, is, is obviously the energy, you know, the positive energy that you can have, uh, in the environment that you can, gen- you know, you personally can generate and that you can begin to, to generate amongst the group in inverted commas, you know. I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of that at, at elite level sport, you know, harnessing all, all positive ener- energy and, and positivity and so on. So it, it could well be having an effect in, in that regard. But I think it's, I mean, I think, you know, in general for Liverpool, I think it's, it's, it's been what we've discussed over, over time. It, it's, it's, it's just the perfect storm. Everything that, that, that can go wrong has gone wrong. And to be honest, it's if if we if we look at it now, you can say that you know the buck stops with the owners. Um, they couldn't have foreseen this situation, but they could have prepared better for it, um, and they certainly could have reacted better to it. And they've they've really put their their previous investment at risk. If you throw on top of that. Um, you know, what's actually going on in the world, the corona pandemic, the situation that, that that's created for everyone uh, professionally, uh, within the game professionally, but also, you know, personally, <laughs> within their own minds, their own lives, their own questions, their own futures, and add in this, this kind of situation with, with personal tragedy on top of the fact that Germany are going to be looking for a new manager after after the international tournament this summer. Um, you know, you just hope that it isn't all coming together to 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 almost bring a premature end to to Jurgen Klopp's tenure at Anfield and and and, and manager and and being a manager abroad. I you know, of course, as Liverpool fans, we absolutely hope and pray that doesn't happen. As for this season, it you know it it it's become a, a vicious a vicious cycle and circle and you know each thing is, is is feeding the other and every time there's a step forward there's another setback you know Fabinho's injured now or like like at the at the weekend there uh okay he gives the penalty oh it's not a penalty it's outside the box uh so it's a free kick oh it's gone in but it's offside no no it's not offside it is a goal so you, you get you're given with one hand is taken away with the other and it's it just is a situation like that's not not an excuse, but that's just what is happening at the moment and has been all season. And I don't think I don't know what's going to stop that. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't think it's tactical, is what I'm saying. And I don't think that just one player coming back is is going to sort it out. If you're asking me, like maybe in in two weeks or three weeks when you can definitely guarantee Fabinho's fit and you can say, heaven forbid, you can say Navi Kaitis may be fit and you can say Jota's back, you know, then maybe with those three back and in the first team, you can start to think, well, maybe now the slump will be over and we can start getting back to ourselves. But until that kind of situation happens where, where you get wholesale numbers back, where you actually get... Not just one player coming in. One player coming into a broken team can't fix it. You know, and getting them back in dribs and drabs isn't going to fix anything. So what we've got to do is, is, is get through the first leg against Leipzig without going out. 
and and hope that in four weeks those those lads are back and the team looks different and therefore the mentality is different because at the moment they're broken and yeah maybe maybe it's something to do with Jurgen maybe it's 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 to do with with you know bad energy at the camp or whatever but it's to do with so many things it, it's really hard to, to see what fixes that aside from the good lads all coming back <laughs> yeah that's absolutely fair Chief. and I, mean, I think he's absolutely right and this is this is kind of the crux of the issue it's 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 not just one thing it's not just one thing that isn't working that has caused this situation to arise it's a culmination of nightmare scenarios um and that's on both a professional and a personal level at the crux and heartbeat of the club. And we we need an injection of something. We need a change of scenery. And I suppose the only real hope that we have is that potentially the Champions League tie against Leipzig can provide that change of scenery. Going into a game where we know that and remember these, these guys have gone from competing for, for league titles for the last two years, more than two years now, um, to now thinking, oh fuck's sake, we'll have to try and get in the top four. And I'm gonna be really honest with you, see if it was me, I'd be like, What's the point? If we're not gonna win the league, what's the fucking point? This is just all this is just all a bit it's all it's more hard work than the 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 payoff is. But the Champions League's different. And there's an argument to say that potentially this team could find a new energy going into this tie because it's in a completely different competition. Absolutely. And I think we need to chill a little bit on the whole top four thing. I think we're all still programmed into the idea of like for example in eighteen nineteen when we, we dropped those points against West Ham and Leicester in the space of a week. Uh, and that lets City that puts it into City's hands of thirteen games to go and then they win all thirteen games. That's not gonna happen with the top four. Top four teams, I think it was sixty-three points got top four last season. It's been as low as sixty sometimes. You know, top four teams, teams go for top four, they drop points all the time. Um so you know, we just need to go at a certain rate. We don't get me wrong. We need to go at a, a, a more of more points per game than we're getting at the minute. If we keep going the way we've done in the last month, we won't get top four. But we also don't need to get back to the heady heights of pretty much winning every game in order to secure it. So I wouldn't worry too much about it just yet. Uh, you know, our next three are quite favourable. Uh, obviously, the derby brings its own complications, and you know, Sheffield United and Fulham. Despite what's happened, you'd expect us to get maybe seven points from those next three, and maybe that's wildly optimistic. But I think we can do it. And you know, after we've got those seven points on the board, after other teams around us will have dropped points, things will look a lot better. And I'm I'm still fairly confident about top four. Your question on Leipzig, I I know I've, I keep saying this in the chat. I'm, I'm probably doing everyone's head in, but I'm going to say it again. The quarterfinals of the Champions League are on the seventh of April, right? Right now. Right now, today's Valentine's Day, 14th of February. You're talking eight, seven, eight weeks away until then. It's so far away, right? The whole of the Champions League latter stages are cramped into those last like six weeks of the season. Um, so if we can just somehow get through Leipzig, then we could still be looking at a very exciting season here. We could be looking at getting into the quarterfinals of a Champions League and who knows what teams get through the round of 16. Could there be like another Roma semi-final-esque tie if we could just get a bit of luck? I think we're due a bit of luck in the draws. And this season could still be salvageable. It's a, It feels a little bit like when we reached the Champions League final in 1819 compared to when we reached it in 1718, like... I, it was I for me it was a lot more exciting than seventeen eighteen because it just came out of nowhere. You know, we started the season seventh or eighth, weren't looking good, looked like the season was gonna peel into insignificance like the well relatively like the last couple. And this run just came out of nowhere and we were so excited and it, it was so fun. Whereas in eighteen nineteen, as good as it was, and obviously we go on to win it, you kind of expected it. So I just wonder is there something I'm not prepared to just give up on this season just yet. You know, if we can, whether it's Van Dyke back, uh, whether it's just a couple of months is enough to get this team out of the rut in which it's in right now with the likes of Jota back, with 
Fabinho hopefully back as well. Oh, Fabinho will be back, obviously, but keeping those players fit. Even a Naby Keita, I know we can't rely on him, but somebody like that is the type of player who can put in the performances in Europe that can get you to the latter stages of Champions League, a semi-final final. Um, I'm, look, we need a bit of luck for that all to come together, but my goodness, are we due some? Uh, and I'm looking really looking forward to the game on Tuesday night. My worry is that we're, is, you know, as I said earlier, there's no score that I think could necessarily, unless it's four or five nil, which I wouldn't necessarily rule out. There's no score that I think would definitely have us through. Even like a three nil win, you know, you just see something happen at Anfield, the way we're going, the fact there are no fans, which makes a massive difference, especially in Europe for a club and city as connected to Europe as Liverpool is. So I'm still, I'm still excited for it. If we're out of the Champions League against Leipzig, and then I'll have a lot more kind of depressing and dull of you of the season. Uh, but it is still salvageable. We're Liverpool. We've won European Cups and got to European Cup finals with much lesser squads than this. And I'm still holding out hope that we can do it again. Yeah. Chief Andy makes a load of fair points there. And, you know, I just want to, I just want to rest on the, the fact that there, there are worse Liverpool teams that have won Champions Leagues than this. And we all know the one that we're talking about. Um, the change of scenery could just be exactly what we need to get our to get our season back on track because to see at this point in time, I am running out of ideas as to what is going to allow us to turn the corner. But this is an opportunity that, and we've said this a few times over the last number of weeks, but this is surely an opportunity that we cannot allow to slip through our fingers. Yeah, well, I mean, this is sort of the normally the time of season where we'd have been on a on a week's break somewhere when we training. Um, you know, if it were a normal season, I, I think there would actually be a, a winter break as well when they're coming up. Um, and it's kind of normal in most leagues, even even in the hectic schedule of the Premier League, generally that you know teams get minimum of a week somewhere to kind of regroup for the second half of the season. Obviously, that's not happening this year. So this is about as good a chance as, as there is to, you know, to break the, the monotony. Um, obviously, with the travel ban and stuff, players haven't been getting away. No one's been away. It's the same, same for everyone, of course. But, you know, when you're elite level athlete, uh, sports, sportsman, and you've got to contend with the pressures you have to on a daily basis, you know, getting away the odd time. Getting your head charred, it, it, it's you know it's important. Obviously, they won't really get the chance to do that. But um, as you say, it's a it's a different competition. It's um, a different opposition. I think have we have we ever played Leipzig? Don't think so. I think we were due to play them in a friendly, and it, it never happened. Um, so I think it certainly could be the first competitive meeting. Um, between the sides and of course it's at a neutral venue which makes it slightly nicer for us given Leipzig's formidable home record um, yeah I'm a, a little bit like Andy in that I'm the eternal optimist like despite getting raging and you know annoyed after games well, you still you know until you're out you're not out so if we can get past Leipzig then you know, there's there is every chance because he's he's right in what he says. You will have players coming back then, and then you could focus for a few games and you know put everything on that. So I wouldn't rule out doing doing okay, but but this game's going to be tough. There's no doubt about that. We are in bad shape at the moment. We're fragile mentally. We're fragile on paper, and we're fragile on the pitch in terms of the personnel we can call upon and, and, and where we're playing them. Leipzig don't have those worries. Um, I think it was announced today, or certainly read today, or over the weekend, yesterday maybe, that Uber Meccano's agreed to, to, agreed to join Bayern in the summer. So, uh, But they were, they were certainly um, resigned to the fact that he was leaving the club anyway. That's just been sorted out now. Um and yeah, we're going to have it all to do the way we're playing at the moment. Um, just to, just to really stay in the tie. 
Having said that, we're never out of a Champions League tie. You know, we all know what happened against Barcelona. So, so we've got this one, this, this, this tie, this two-legged tie is really what our season's based on. And he's right. Unless the slump doesn't, doesn't stop at all and we just lose pretty much every game from now until the rest of the season, we should probably be okay for top four. You know, if we can get the, Roughly two points a game, or or whatever that whatever we're going to need, then then we should be okay. But this is our only chance of silverware, of course. So, and it's a great way to guarantee that uh, you get the Champions League, even if you slip slightly outside of the top four places. So yeah, but I do think we've got it all to do to to make sure that Leipzig don't stick three or four past us. Okay, so Andy. Um Pick me a team. Oh, okay. Um, I definitely should have thought about this. Um, the back five, uh, obviously, Alice in the back four. Uh, the front three, and I would. Pick, oh, sorry, the back five. That doesn't. That's not necessarily. Uh, I've the back five. Yeah. Anybody? Yeah, I've just I've completely forgotten that. That's it gives us no help whatsoever. Uh, I play Quebec and. Is, or is Fabinho back? Do we know? I don't know. And I, I, if yeah, I didn't think he was. No, if, if, no, he's I, not. He's not. Sorry, he's not. I, I just remember Paul Joyce notification for last week. He misses this one as well. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. If he's not even, if he's not even available for the bench on a Saturday afternoon or there Tuesday, he's, he's going to be able to play yeah. ninety minutes. Um, so I go um, Alison Trent Robertson and I play Henderson Quebec again. Uh, I don't think you you know you certainly don't go for a Davies Quebec in that game. Otherwise, disaster could strike. It could be you know four or five nil. Oh, disaster could strike from the best goalkeeper in the world. I think sure Davies has yeah. had a knock for the weekend anyway. Yeah, so. but, you, but in any case, you, you don't want to put them in, especially in the first leg where you know. You, you you probably can't win it, but you can definitely lose it. Um, so I I go for them. I go for the front three and in midfield. I definitely go Jones. Uh, I play Thiago and who else do we have? It's between Genie, Chamberlain, Chamberlain, Milner yeah, probably yeah, not def- be available. Yeah, I, I forgot about Genie. Yeah, definitely Genie for Europe, especially in a away game where you'll need somebody to kind of just retain the ball for a bit and keep put his foot on it. Uh, I, I'm completely fine with us actually going there and playing a little bit conservatively um, and, and being pragmatic like like we know Jürgen likes to be in Europe anyway, especially against somebody like a Nagelsmann who, you know, if you can keep it tight, you probably are going to get the chances at Anfield. And, you know, I was having a look just uh, as Chief was talking there at Leipzig's top scorers this season and they don't tend to score a lot of goals. I mean, Angelino, uh, the fellow who couldn't get a game for Man City is their top scorer with seven goals. Yeah, he's a left back, and he's a left back, and nobody, nobody is on more than four in the Bundesliga for them. You yeah, know. it's amazing what you can do if you have two really good centre halves, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think, uh, I think I heard that Mikano was injured, maybe, uh, and he wasn't in the squad for their game on Saturday. There, they were playing the the guys who usually play at wing back, who is Klosterman and Halstenberg. Uh, they were playing them at centre half, so you know there could be a bit of a weakness there. Um, but I think anything a score draw or better, I think, is acceptable in, in this game. I think a nil nil, you don't really want that because Leipzig score at Anfield and it all of a sudden becomes very difficult. But a, a score draw or a win, uh, and I think we're you know it, it wouldn't I wouldn't put my house on us necessarily going through, but it would have us in a nice position. Chief. Any advances on um, Andy's team selection there? No, I mean I think it's it's interesting. Um, what he, yeah, I, I think I think Andy's probably spot on. Like I think it, it is going to be Quebec and Henderson. So it's basically going to be the same team as the weekend. Bart for the majority of the ninety tackle win for Milner. I think I think your midfield you don't have any midfield options, like do you? Well, certainly not if you're the manager because you're not going to count Chamberlain. No, Chamberlain's not getting a sniff for me. Chamberlain <laughs> is not getting a sniff. Um, I, I just I, I just don't think you can play him with the other midfielders you've got. Yeah, I I, I don't dis, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I think the the strange thing about 
the strange thing, and you'll you'll be able to tell tell us better than than I will, Chief. The interesting thing I found about this Leipzig team is it's Nagelsmann, but there are for me, and I this I, this might be lazy on my behalf, but uncharacteristically stingy at the back for a Nagelsmann team. Andy's right, they don't score loads of goals, but they've conceded what five goals at home all season in the league or something like that. So, you know, they are a solid outfit. They are very um they're very they're very dominant at home. They're very dominant at the ball, they're very dominant at possession at home. And they are well organized. I mean I saw them Don't forget us in Budapest though. Yeah, this is the thing. Yeah, this is that's a massive, massive bonus for us. They're being punished because of Germany's Corona rules, um, and it's a it's a kick in the balls for German teams that they're not able to play at home because, particularly Leipzig, are formidable and their away record isn't great. Um, you can imagine with their home record being so good, um, conceding five goals at home all season. Well, they're they're not first in the Bundesliga. You know, so their away record isn't isn't as formidable. Um, but they are they are they're dominant on the on on the ball at home. But they're not they're not they're not a team of superstars by any stretch. In fact, they they don't have a superstar amongst them. Uber Meccano is the superstar, and he's a centre back. And he's although I think he's got massive potential, I do think he's slightly overhyped at, at this stage. Um, but. You know, you don't as you know, as as Andy says, top scorer a left back who didn't make it at City. He's a very good player, but um, you know, he's a left back. Uh they've still got the likes of Poulsen and Forsberg who who, who play regularly. Um there there there's no star quality there whatsoever, no household names. So they are very much a team who who perform and get more than you know perform to a standard that produces more than, than the sum of their parts and they're still managing to do that whereas we've dropped off that a little bit um, so it'll, it will be interesting you know it, it, it'll depend obviously Nagelsmann against Klopp is a, there's a bit of a, a personal thing there as well in, in terms of uh, Klopp being the top German manager the one that they all aspire to, to be like and, and to best um, Nagelsmann very much being still very much being the young up and comer because he was so young when he started. Um, so there's there's a bit of something there. There's also Nagelsmann's general failure when it's come to playing English English teams. Although they they did go through ahead of United in in the group this season, but had it been a knockout, they would have gone out. Haven't got battered 5-0 at Old Trafford. So they, when he was manager at Hoffenheim, uh, we, we battered his Hoffenheim team as well. So there's a little bit of, of, of history there, and Klopp will be very, very keen to... And he obviously knows it's his only chance of silverware and the only way of salvaging what is going to be a very disappointing season otherwise, even if we do get top four. Um, so yeah, we, we will be going all out for it, and and yet, it, it it is a good sign that they they they're not free scoring. But I think it's it, it helps us a lot that it's in in Budapest, and um, I think it will be gritty and low scoring. And funny enough, I would take nil nil um, because I I would fancy us to to just be better than them at Anfield. Um, but Andy's right; it's not the it's not an ideal scoreline. So obviously, a score draw puts us in good shape and and a win. Is is ideal, um, but I would I would settle for nil nil at this point. The way we're playing, I'd settle for not losing, and I'd love a clean sheet. Yeah, so um, for me, I'm I'm not going to take nil nil. I think nil nil is a highly underrated scoreline for the home team um, in in two legged knockout affairs. So anything with goals that we don't lose, I'll be pretty happy. So, lads, thanks for joining me. Until after Leipzig, God willing, um, up the Will Ben Davis ever pick a ball for the Reds? <laughs> <laughs>